Welcome to School Days, help for moms and dads of school-age kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. And today we're talking about state testing. And it has become a hot topic. It impacts uh, the district ratings, district desirability, teacher performance, student outcomes, and much, much more. Students and parents are feeling the pressure. Our show today will help parents get a better understanding of their need for the test. We'll address some of the concerns and controversies surrounding the test and how you can best report your student to be successful. So I know as a math teacher that um, state testing was a really big part of your job and that you felt a lot of pressure. So yes. just kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, my first couple years I was in a Title I school and, uh, and we felt the heat like I was like, from the what's that from the frying pan into the skillet what's that how's that saying go that exact thing yes there it is <laughs> yes well that's how i felt i walked in and you know and students were struggling um and back then it was the uh the tax test right that, and is that and, what we took uh no you took the toss oh that's test. right yeah i'm old yeah right. it's old school yeah okay. so um but it was just a lot of pressure uh the kids you know were struggling um and we had to really move them forward and then I, I went to another school, which was not Title I, and I just had to basically show up, and the kids were crushing it. We did pre-assessments at the beginning of the year, and they were getting hundreds on stuff they were supposed to know by the end of the year in August. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, wow. Um, and so and I've seen everything in between, um, but uh, it's definitely something that is, uh, you know, on everyone's mind when we get to this time of the year. I know our, our fifth grader is about to take it and oh my goodness. the pressure of passing and you know and what happens if you don't and you know so uh this is definitely um a topic that i think all of us can relate to on many levels yes i'm looking forward to this so before we go any further let me just say it does take a village if you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice share it with your parent friends facebook it instagram it tweet it link it in and add the hashtag school days show and I am school days and also we want you to be a part of the show so if you have questions or comments go ahead and call us at 214-431-5062 so David who's our guest today so today we have Tamara Albury she's a native of New York and a third generation educator of American and Caribbean descent she graduated from Union College where she received her bachelor's degree in sociology and Africana studies with a minor in Russian language. Wow. It, yes. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty uh, impressive. How do, you, how do you say yes in Russian? Da. 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 All right. Da. Yeah. da. Yeah. And it's niet, right, for no, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. That's all I know. <laughs> all right. So we'll keep on going. All right. So um, in addition, she attended the University of Mississippi and the Teachers College of Columbia and completed graduate work in curriculum and instruction and transformational leadership. She has worked in both traditional and non-traditional school settings, as well as rural and urban areas. During her 20-year career in education, she has worked as a classroom teacher. Uh, what what content did you what did you teach? English and social studies. Wonderful. All right. Um, and I lost my okay. Oh, and, and led. <laughs> here we go. See, I'm, off, I'm getting off track and got myself all messed up here. Uh, lead content teacher, academic gold seal program of choice coordinator curriculum writer, network specialist, and school administrator. She brings extensive knowledge and experience in programs of choice, gifted and talented education, 
Advanced Placement, SAT, ACT Prep, and College Readiness. She has been a district gifted and talented presenter, wow. as well as COMP. What's COMP stand for? It's a classroom management program. Okay, awesome. Teach. All right. Uh, and it says right after that, trainer for classroom management. <laughs> I just kept on reading. See, reading is fundamental, people. Yes, yes. You got to read for this star test. Okay. Um, an avid traveler, she has participated in the Fulbright Hayes program to study in arts in Mexico as well as several Fort Worth sister cities programs. In her current role, she leads a single-gender public school committed to empowering young women leaders and ensuring their success into and through college. She has been selected as a Tarrant County Influencer of the Week and will be featured in Voyage Dallas. Tamara is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and the Junior League of Fort Worth. She enjoys volunteering her time to enhance the community of Fort Worth. And what do you not do? Right. She's sleep? Awesome. Don't sleep. <laughs> yes. That's all the time we have for our show today. Yes. Right. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Well, good. We have invited the right person to come and talk yes. to us today. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. So first, let me just ask you, what? okay, is it E-S-S-A or S-O or what is that? What is that law? E-S-S-A. That so it, um, it replaced No Child Left Behind mm-hmm. or Nickel B, which um, ended in 2015. Mm-hmm. And so the basic idea um, behind standardized testing as a whole is to provide a f- framework to make sure that all students are learning at certain levels. Right. Because prior to that, you didn't really have um, any way to get gauge of students were learning and definitely now um, with the new star and accountability they're also measuring growth right because you talked about before how in one school sorry in one school um, the pressure was on and students might have been behind grade levels right Right. and you went to another school and they came with um, with more skills and so Previously, it was about how students were successful on the test, but now it's actually, are they growing? So technically speaking, a student could um, not meet standard last year and not meet standard this year, but have grown a year. Okay. Right. As opposed to just being successful on the test. And so it really looks at what's happening in the class. Um, That's great. So that's, and and so that's that's the change because what was happening is that schools who had students who were, um, who had more skills were always um, high-performing schools, mm-hmm. but the students were gr- weren't growing. But then you have your low-performing schools who maybe there was growth, but they weren't meeting that benchmark, and so right. they were always low-performing schools. Right, okay. So that's one thing to be mindful of um, because there, um, there are several different levels you have did not meet. You have approaches, meaning approaching um, grade level. Then you have meets, which is meeting grade level, and then you have masters, which goes beyond grade level. Mm-hmm. So if your child... Um, received meets last year um on the, on last year's um on star they need to be minimally meet or commended this year and that's how you know that they're actually growing that's great so that's um that's one thing i know you talked about s i'm sorry um which is the every student succeeds act from mm-hmm. 2015 and it it's different from no child left behind in that it gives more um more control to the state whereas no child left behind was was heavier on the federal um on the federal end. Mm-hmm. And so um, it looks at the achievement of disadvantaged groups as a whole, like your um, your students in poverty, your minorities, um, your students who are receiving special education services, as well as your English language learners. Okay. Gotcha. So that's where it really looks at, are they achieving? Not mm-hmm. just, but are you meeting the needs of those students as well? Right. Because if they're, um, there are special populations, 
And so making sure that they are for the achievement gap, just being just as successful as your mainstream students. Right, absolutely. And so does this kind of keep the students that students from moving on when they actually don't have the skills that they need to move on to the next grade because so the high they call it high stakes because they kind of have been gatekeepers sort of um your fifth grade year um your eighth grade year and that's why and also for high school for graduation you have certain graduation requirements right um as it relates to like your end of course exams or your star exams and so if you're and actually, in fifth and eighth grade, those students have the opportunity to retake the test. That's mm-hmm. why it's given earlier. Mm-hmm. So if um, students have not been successful, there's time to prep them once again and for them to take it again to make sure that they're meeting those standards before they move on to the next grade. Gotcha. If they're not successful, they do have the opportunity to meet um, a grade placement committee to determine if a student will move on or not. And that um, encompasses teachers, administrators, counselors, and things like that. And, and how do they determine that um, in the committee? What what kind of things do they need to see? And Well, they look, I mean, like for um, example, if your students are um, special education, looking at the individual, the IEP, education plan, individualized education plan, looking at students' grades, seeing really um, could a student move on and be successful. Right. They also look at age as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, a 16-year-old in fifth grade you know, socially is not the best as well. So those, those are all the things that they look at. Okay. Yeah, I remember things like at my that. first school, we had an eighth grader that would drive himself to school mm-hmm. in eighth grade. And so, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely, yeah. Uh. When I was, my, my first teaching job in Mississippi, I had an uh, 18-year-old ninth grader, right? Wow. So, yeah. And that was 99 before No Child Left Behind and, right. and before ESSA. So that does happen. Did that student go all the way through to 12th grade or kind of they ended up he ended up dropping out right Mm. and got his GED wow yeah but but like in in that instance it was a student who um was a very smart intelligent student Mm -hmm. but he couldn't read right right and so it was a matter of and someone from the community told me that and um one day he was because he was always kicked out of, of class because he was a dis- discipline problem because what happens is I can't read. I can't really contribute. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. what's happening, so I'm going to act out. Right. And he happened to be in the hallway one day because someone kicked him out of class. That was his, his MO. And um, I called him in my class, and I went over the day's lesson with him. Mm-hmm. And that was the first day he ever participated in class. Wow. wow. An active participant. So figuring out really what's going on with a kid is important. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and given, and that, that's why tutoring sometimes is so helpful or a lot most times is so helpful because there's less distractions you don't have the other the peer pressure of the other students in the classroom and it's really just you and another person just as exactly what you guys did mm-hmm. and you can just focus on the content and there's no struggles with anything social or anything like that yeah i remember seeing kids who would act out and i knew it was because they didn't know and so they would rather be known as the funny kid right or the kid who would you know have the attitude or whatever because that would that would deflect the fact that, you know, if you ask them a legitimate question about the content, then they would not, you know, they would be exposed. Right. And so it's a way kind of to hide and mask those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's a whole other, what to bring off for another, another episode okay. <laughs> that, yes. So other than student achievement, how does, um, how is state funding affected by the, the scores and whatnot? So more or less state funding is we have ADA, the average daily attendance. So there is um, students attending school more or less is how you get your your funding. Um, Students enrolled in certain programming 
as well. Students who are, um, if they're classified as, as uh, you know, with special needs, that's that funding comes along with that. Mm-hmm. If they are um, enrolled into uh, CTE, career technical education classes, there's funding that goes along with that if students are um, gifted and talented. So in that regard, that's where most the bulk of the funding goes. Where um, funding really affects uh, test scores, if a, if a school is not, uh, is low performing, mm-hmm. then oftentimes they qualify for additional funding. Mm-hmm. Title one. Not just Title One. Title One is based upon your free and reduced lunch numbers. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So based upon those, that I mean, because we're a Title One school, mm-hmm. but we're also a, a campus as well. So, um, it, sorry, my voice. Oh, that's right. Um, so it it there are grants and there's funding out there that um, is specifically for schools who are low performing to meet those needs. Because as you were saying, they might need additional help with tutoring, additional teachers, additional services um, at that is not comfort covered by the local funding or title one mm-hmm. and so then their priority funds or there's their other funds that are that they're able to access if they're low performing gotcha. and where do those funds come like is it from government agencies or is it from outside businesses and corporations like where does where do those additional monies come from it's a variety some schools uh, qualify for grants that are federal or you know or state um, there's also state monies or also federal money so it, it just varies upon according to the campus and the characteristics of the campus gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, we used to have uh, these, I guess, these Super Saturdays mm-hmm. uh, where... They still do that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. We do. And, <laughs> yeah, and I, I remember, you know, because I remember I had to leave my wife <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Hi, babe. I worked all week, and then I got to go on Saturday. And it was, you know, they were long, they were intense, you know, days to really get kids going um, as well. Um, and you know, we got paid for it. And I know that wasn't a part of the, you know, the traditional, you know, budget as well. And so, uh, I, yeah, I can definitely relate but that to that falls under title one, title one funds mm-hmm. can gotcha. be used for that. Okay. Yeah. So I don't remember. So when I took the, what did I take? Toss, what did I, I took the toss <laughs> test, right. I don't remember there being so much focus on the test. And I know we didn't have no, no child left behind back then. Cause what, what year was that? No child left behind. That way, was, way oh, before you. Wait, oh, it was way, way before me. Way before. Oh, okay, yeah. so <laughs> sorry, baby. Is there a whole <laughs> lot of difference <laughs> between the? the hey, <laughs> is there a lot of difference between the test that we parents took back in the day mm-hmm. to the star test? So one of the things is that um, the skills that are, are are required to answer the questions are a lot more in depth. I think mm-hmm. the the TAS, um, and was it TAPS maybe? Tax, yeah. Tax. Yeah. Well, tax. Tax is the precursor for STAR, and right. then TAS was, was before pre- right. tax. tax. Right. And so the test has gotten more difficult and more challenging in terms okay. of what's being asked. So it might, we had the the, the TEKS, T-E-K-S, Texas uh, Essential Knowledge and Skills. And so a question might cover several different um, standards on the uh, on the STAR as opposed to what was covered on the TAS. Gotcha, yeah, because it's a lot different now. We we certainly didn't have this much focus on the test then, and I remember it being very easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was surprising when somebody didn't pass because right. it was, you know, it was just kind of a, a breeze for most of the students. Well, I think in No Child Left Behind in 01 to, to 2015, that sort of when that was at high stakes because people okay. realized that you were, um, there were students that were really being lost 
mm-hmm. in that gap. Mm-hmm. And there was no way to be um, accountable that students were learning. Right. And so with that, that's kind of where that, that came from to make sure. And especially when you think about, um, you know, and education got um, together with businesses because the whole idea, you know, we are producing the workers of tomorrow. Right. And so their needs in the business world, what the ideal employee has, what um, what skills they need, and that kind of helped form it as well. Mm-hmm. What's done there? Does passing the test indicate a student's college readiness? It does not. Talk about that. So, um, when you when the students apply to college, right? They don't ask for their star scores right. when they're applying to Harvard, when they're applying to Rice, when they're applying to UT, when they're applying um, to Prairie View, when they're applying to Wild. They, they don't ask for their star scores. That's just that's the state um, minimum standard saying that they, they've met those standards in the state. When you're looking at college readiness, your college readiness exams would be your ACT, your um, SAT, those, those kinds of things, your Texas Assess Initiative courses. Um, yeah. Those are the three that really indicate college readiness. Yeah. And based upon, there's actually um, a cut score uh, that for students, when you think of college readiness, it's kind of an ambiguous term. True. Right. Um, and so one of the things that, that we have done on my campus is that um, to really define what that is. And so for us, it's okay. college readiness means if it's one of our students steps onto a college campus tomorrow, they will not be in a non-credit remedial course. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how we identify as college college readiness. And right. so you would use, you use the um, SAT, the ACT, or the TSI to dictate that. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a, you know, when I was talking with kids, you know, and their mentality was, well, I passed, I passed the star test last year, so I'm, I'm good, and I'm like, mm, no, not really, because uh, you know they can think, well, they're passing, they're passing, they're passing, but then as you probably well know that when you're looking at the College Board and ACT, and ACT how many kids, uh, they're categorizing as not college ready it, it's a very high percentage mm-hmm. uh you know 60 to 70 percent range in mathematics um as well and so uh it definitely is something that you know for, for you know just for parents to be aware of is uh just because this 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 is the basement standard that the star test is this the basic skills that the state says is needed uh to be proficient to move on to the next grade that's all it indicates is that's basically what you're what you're saying right? and high school completion so if you're not successful then you don't graduate from high school so you can't go to college mm-hmm. right right and then so um that's that's the thing also there with that what's the passing score so, so it, it varies, varies right it yeah varies. okay yeah. per grade or how does it vary per grade per subject it's all it all okay. it all varies okay but yeah. i just remember remember you saying it's pretty low the passing it, scores for math yeah school yeah it 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 varies yeah i know because when i taught sixth grade math that is you know as you know uh that's a very loaded year where it's a big shift from fifth grade to sixth grade and how much they're learning and so statewide uh the scores from my understanding is that those scores are the lowest um average from sixth you know going up through the grades um and so uh when I was coming through. I just left the classroom last year, so uh, you know the the you know approaches standard you know was down where down there in the mid 40s, um, and that's not considered failing, but it's kind of like well, wow, you can 
know and basically understand half of what you were taught, a little bit less than half, and that's considered acceptable to, you know, at least to move on to the following grade, you know, and, and, uh, um, well, what do you feel about it? I have my thoughts. Um, so I um, I started teaching in 90, no, I don't want to date myself. I did say <laughs> we've already dated years. ourselves. <laughs> um, in Texas, I started dating. I mean, dating. I started teaching in 02, right? Okay. So um, I've just seen the kind of the the evolution of the accountability system. So at one point it was um, everyone to be on the meets level. Like it was moving where eventually you couldn't approach anymore and pass, you had to actually uh, get to the meets level. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the, the, the introduction of that growth measure is so important right. now. It's about your students growing. Yeah. Um, and that piece, I think it, 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 it ensures that what's happening in the classroom is such that your child is growing from from year to year. Right, right. Does that make sense? You're right, because you know, success isn't necessarily, um, I remember we measured success by, you know, how are we growing our students from year to year? You know, mm -hmm. so if they were at this level the prior year and now they are on another level the next year, that's considered growth. Uh, but I also remember the challenges of, you know, the emphasis being on the kids who were struggling. And so what happened was kind of indirectly, and I think unintentionally, was mm -hmm. kids were being neglected at the higher levels uh, because, I'll be honest, the mentality was, well, they're good. They're going to be okay. They're, they're, we're not worried about them because uh, they're, you know, you know they're going to be okay. But we have to really kind of, you know, come around the students who are really struggling because, uh, if we don't get those kids up, then that's going to impact, you know, everything from, you know, the teacher evaluations to the school ratings to district ratings to, you know, the desirability of the campus. To I mean, there's so many implications of it as well. Um, and so uh, it, it, it definitely is, is, a, is a challenge um, to, well, it kind of leads to another question is how, how do you, as a principal, how do you ensure that all students at all levels are um, moving and making progress? What what type of measures do you put in place with your educate with your teachers on your campus to ensure that every child is moving forward? So one of the things with the but I wanted to add that with the growth measure now it's not that those kids are okay, right? Because those students have to either maintain or grow a year regardless of if they are meets or they're or they're commended masters. They have to maintain that level, right? And so you have to make sure that they're maintaining that level. So one of the things um, that I have my teachers do is kind of tier their kids. Okay, where were they last year? Where do they need to be this year? So if they are on meets, you know they have to be masters this year. So as you're looking at their grades, you're looking at their benchmarks, are they making that masters um, percentage on those benchmarks or is it lower? We just can't um, look at our, pa our students passing, but their growth in their grades, in their benchmarks, um, we have interim assessments. How mm -hmm. are they doing? And so if you know where they are and know where they're supposed to be, you can kind of monitor that throughout the year. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting here with two educators. I'm not an educator. So no, no. <laughs> but the good thing is I have a parent's point of view. So as a parent, how do I make sure that my child is meeting the the needs that 
or the the benchmarks and the things that they need to in order to, for them to do well on the SAT to be college ready. I know that grades are not always indicative of that. And it sounds like y'all are saying the the test scores are not indicative of that. So what do I do as a parent to make sure that my kid is getting what she or he needs to get? For college or high school or what? Which that state, they are testing? actually learned, not just for state testing, because okay. right. that's a low, little bar. Uh, low mm-hmm. bar, but just to make sure that my child has the is learning what he or she needs to learn in order to go on to college or technical school and be successful. So one of the things I know in um, in my district, they give the PSAT to eighth graders, PSAT eight nine, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a great indicator. Um, one of the things I think I think a lot of districts do the the school day, the PSAT school day or the SAT school day. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you can do um, as a parent is when you um, you get your student score back at the bottom, there's a code that is connected to Khan Academy, which is a free program, and Khan Academy paired with College Board, and so it actually taps into your, your child's strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's you great. can kind of do at home, but just making sure you have those test scores. I think sometimes parents don't realize that they can have access or should have access or should have received those scores. So if your um, if your campus does give the PSAT to their 8th, ninth graders, or um, you can actually have your, your any of your, your, um, your students going from fifth grade up, take the PSAT or SAT um, if you opt to do that, like on your own. Mm-hmm. But that tells you how your students are faring nationally, um, on the um, locally, and also comparatively on, on the state mm-hmm. basis. Another thing is uh, keeping close contact with your counselor mm. and also the teachers as well. Um, when you're looking at colleges, um, one of the things that we do ideally is look at the most challenging college to get into and then back map all the way down to sixth grade and make sure we're meeting those benchmarks so our students would at least meet that criteria right. to attend a school like that. Right. But definitely um, because there's the ACT, so some students do better on the ACT, some students yeah. do better on the SAT, making sure that your child takes both to see how they, you know, um, how they fare, and then putting efforts and then making sure that they are preparing for one over the other. Um, we also, in our district, we, we're, we're doing um, ACT school day this year as well, and we just did SAT school day in March. So those are the things that really kind of, and the TSI, that's important as well. What's the TSI? The text, I'm so sorry. No problem. The Texas Success Initiative. Mm-hmm. And so that tests your, re- it's three parts, reading, writing, and math. And so based upon um, the score on the Texas Success Initiative, students starting college, if, they don't, if they're not successful on a part of it, so if they're not successful on the math part, they're gonna start college having to take a remedial, remedial course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that really is, that costs money. Right. Because right. you're paying money for classes that you're not even getting credit for. The other thing too, your, um, your child's AP scores, as well, AP is really big when it comes to college readiness, mm-hmm. um, as well as IB. I believe we don't have IB, but IB, um, if your students are receiving a four or higher, that's college credit. And on AP exams, if, a, if your child's receiving a three or higher, that's potentially um, credit in that course, depending on what college you attend. So those are kind of measures to kind of make sure your, your child is, um, is college ready on that end. Yeah. Um, just Just for reference, so like the... IB, that's for International Baccalaureate, right, and then AP's Advanced Placement, placement, right, exactly. Um, I know back when I was in college, I was a math tutor, um, and I remember my my high school was pretty rigorous academically, uh, and then um, when I was at the University of Pittsburgh, I was tutoring students from the Pittsburgh Public Schools, 
and what they consider to be honors courses or, or pre-AP courses in Pittsburgh public schools. And my school would have been considered just a middle, a middle track academic, you know, you know track. So I remember seeing the, these problems like, man, this, this would not have hit the mark as far as, you know, what we were covering at, you know, at this same categorization of, of academics, you know. So um, what, what, what are questions that parents can be asking of their teachers? Let's say right now, my child's in second grade, my child's in fifth grade, my child's in eighth grade, like appropriate questions to, to monitors to see kind of where their child, as far as what they're getting, maybe not necessarily exactly, you know, what we're teaching this day or this week, but that they're on track to be adequately prepared. Uh, because you're kind of like with the test, and it's, it's kind of like after the fact, you know, um, mm. and having worked with kids. In the, like, in the end of the year. Yeah, because I know with, you know, I've had with working with kids privately on SATs and ACTs, you know, I have a month before the test, and, you know, we have to make it rain in a month, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, we have a lot of work to do here. Uh, but what, what, what can parents do early on to ensure that they're getting what they need um, beyond just the star test to kind of what are some a couple questions just for parents to think about that they can ask their teachers or administrators and so on so I mean one of the things too, um, the Texas essential knowledge of skills knowledge and skills those are all the standards that are supposed to be taught throughout the year so mm -hmm. having that conversation with your teacher what are the standards that my child is struggling with Mm -hmm. um, what are resources that they can um, that they can use? There are also there release questions on right. on the TEA website. Um, what basically what are the strengths? What are the strengths and the, the weaknesses of my child as it relates to the standards and what they're learning based upon the data that they've received from benchmarks um, and interim, interim assessments? But something also I wanted to address that you that you were saying about the the courses mm -hmm. with SAT ACT. Um, and also the AP, the advanced placement courses, those are global standards. Right. So a three in Texas is the same as a three in Connecticut, as the same mm. as a three in, in Florida. So right. if, if your student is performing at that level, then you are pretty much ensured the quality of what's happening in the classroom. Yeah. But definitely having that conversation of um, what types of uh, supports not just if your child is um, struggling, but also if your child is at the meets level so mm -hmm. that they can then move on to the masters, right? A lot right. of times we just think, okay, well, they're passing. That's okay. But no, it's about that growth. Right. So what is the teacher doing to help my child grow? How do they know that my child is, is going to maintain, is going to, is gaining that one year of growth this year? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, having, looking at um, the interim assessments that have been done throughout the year, districts definitely do that and benchmarks and how do they fare? Okay, let's just take a quick um, break to say if you have any questions or if you want to share your experiences, please call our number. It's 214-431-5062. Um, I know that there's been a lot of controversy about parents wanting to opt out of taking the test. So is that even something that you can do in Texas? No. Okay. Um, the language is a little, um, there is language regarding that in the, um, in the, the Texas Education Code, but, but they cannot opt out. Okay, not test. even an issue here. <laughs> All right. So if that, um, if that is an option in other places, how does that affect the schools and how does that affect the students? Is that even something that 
I should ask since we're not in Texas. <laughs> since we're in Texas, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in Texas, you can't do it, right? Um, but it for the accountability purposes, yeah, right. That's where it would affect your your, your child's school, and so then um, possibly a lower rating than what they would have received otherwise. Right, gotcha. Okay, we're both trying to ask the question at the same time. <laughs> so are teachers able to see the questions and the answers that their students get? No, she's shaking her head no. <laughs> that is a, we just had a testing training the other day. We're not to look at the questions. We're not to. So they don't have that access, like, um, to the questions. They can't even ask a child how they how they, um, how they they felt they did. Just oh. it's very um, – the security on those questions and things like that oh yeah on on state testing day Mm -hmm. it's it's like fort knox Mm -hmm. well no i'm meaning after the test is graded so you you, there's no way of seeing how they did so we can improve no but they do there are released questions on the tea website there's what the released questions on the released questions Mm -hmm. so for the next year you Mm -hmm. can look at those so do you recommend that parents grabbing those definitely and there's some up there now so if you would like to kind of give your child kind of a, uh-huh. a mock test to see how they would do mm-hmm. um one of the things is that with um with tax um and toss students had all day but now it's a time test yeah okay and so the um the benefit of that is that most tests that you take in life um like the gre the gmat um the the mcat those are all timed and so it's sort of mimicking that process for students right as well yeah i know that you know with when i deal with high school students you know one of the big shocks is the time constraints that they have to answer so many questions like i don't know one of the reading portions of sat you have 45 minutes and 75 questions not even including the reading passages you got to actually read through before you even get to the answers and so uh i think that that shock of man i have to really cover a whole lot and Mm -hmm. you know in so little time um, it has an impact on, you know, on how they even a- approach the test. So I think it, it is good that they're learning how to have time constraints, even on, you know, our our district benchmarks that, you know, we would give. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm running out of time. Well, it is what it is. You, you have to you have to find a way to, you know, to to make that work um, as well. So um, are there other are there any other factors in state testing that make it di- that make it difficult for uh, for different races or people? Um, from lower socioeconomic statuses to be successful. So I know everyone takes the same test, but mm-hmm. um, what are some of the obstacles that students from different backgrounds may have in processing? Because, you know, there's there's the content. You, know, you have to mm-hmm. know the content, but also I mean, other factors that could be influencing someone's ability to even process and understand what the question is asking. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I don't I don't think um, like I know there has been talk about like the SAT, like depending on where you mm-hmm. are. And, you know, they used to have questions about boating. Well, if you've never been on a boat, <laughs> you wouldn't be able to ask it. Right. 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 Um, that is not what the state testing does. It I mean, it the purpose is to see where students are and to ensure that their needs educationally, academically are being met. Yeah. So that doesn't come into play. Okay, and then if, and if students have um, additional, like if the language language mm-hmm. or um, or special education or things like that, then there are tests that are that accommodate those needs. Oh, so they take a different test? Slightly different. Okay. Mm-hmm. Students that have learning disabilities and... Or they um, have um, um, AIDS or things like that. Like it might be online. Okay. So some students do take the test online. Um, for parents who, if your child is taking it online, the suggestion is to actually 
have them practice taking it online to get used to okay. what it looks like. So they have like mock tests. But if your child is taking it in pen and paper, then that you would print off you would print off the release test and have them take pen and paper. Gotcha. However, they're going to take it. That's how you would want them to practice. Right. Uh, what if your child has had uh, has missed a significant amount of days, like through an if because of an illness or something like that? Is there something that that's done? Some accommodations or anything because they've make, missed a lot of content. If they miss the day of testing, there is a makeup for that, but there is not if a child misses. Nothing to catch them up. And that's a conversation to have with the teachers yeah. and administration and counselors like here, my child, um, while your child is, is missing, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea my child is going to be out this amount of, amount of time, I want to make sure that they're prepared adequately for the test and the onus, you know, on the teacher to say, hey, here's some, here's, here's some material that they could be working on at home. Mm -hmm. um, tutorials. Definitely that should, you know, would be offered coming in um, at lunch or things like that. But on the day of testing, I mean, you could miss the whole miss from January to now. And on you the day of testing the test. mm -hmm. okay. and then students who are enrolled in October, you know, um, when they take the test now, it counts for the school where they were enrolled in October. So they have snapshot day. And so whoever's in your building when they take the test, that that that's who counts. I mean, oh, okay. they, they they all count ideally, mm -hmm. um, but when they're looking at the the ratings, it counts. Okay. So, I know as a teacher, you know, there was always this pull of wanting to explore and go beyond um, how it's assessed on state exams. But also at the end of the day, when my principal came in and <laughs> evaluated me, it was how did they do on this on this test. Let's say there was some type of you know uh, project-based learning or things like that, um, which you know could be great ways to learn. Um, kind of like balancing. What are your thoughts on just on balancing for like for educators to to help kids go beyond, but also keeping the students accountable to how the state is going to evaluate them because you know as we know there's more than one way to assess students mm -hmm. but at the end of the day everything rises and falls on on on, on on the star test or whatever it is for your particular state so um how, how do we help how do we how was it encouraged or how should it be encouraged in your opinion to promote more than one way of assessing students but also keeping a well-rounded education. Yeah, and mm -hmm. them accountable to what they need because at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. Well, I think that's also, when we talk about, you know, um, instruction in the classroom. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's important to, when students grow up and get jobs, they're not going to be taking tests all day, right? right. So we have to yes. prepare them <laughs> with the skills to be able to think, critically think. And because this is a, um, it's uh they uh, bill it as basic skills per se. Uh huh. Going beyond is always the goal. Yeah. With project-based learning, right? Right. Um, and I, I always think back to when you know I, I went to Brazil uh, for term abroad, and the summer, the semester before, they were teaching Portuguese, and I just could not get Portuguese to <laughs> save my life. But when I got to Brazil, my first time I got on the wrong bus and then in the wrong, uh, the wrong neighborhood. Oh, I, I learned. Portuguese mm, rather uh -huh. quickly, right. Right? right? So it's all about in context. So teaching things in context, using, um, having them use those real world kind of applications mm -hmm. to really make it stick. 
Mm-hmm. It's not about just the facts, but how can you process it? That higher those higher levels of blooms evaluation level. Yeah. Um, and so with our benchmarks, though, the benchmarks test what they're supposed to learn, but that doesn't limit what a teacher can do in the classroom. Yeah. What would you recommend for parents to help help extend beyond the classroom um, to help them make it more real? I know sometimes, you know, when I'm at the store or something, you know, and you know they have to figure out, okay, the data we're going to get this or whatever, and I say, okay, well, you know, figure it out. What you know, what? So, what are some ways that you you would encourage parents to help them to extend the learning beyond just the pencil and paper? Um, or even what's, you know, even what's happened beyond that, what are some things that you would recommend to parents to help them to make it more real? I think the thing too, you know, what I, what I found as a teacher is that when assignments are truly real, not real world, because we use real world all the time, right? And Mm -hmm. real world is subjective based upon who is listening and who's doing the the activity. Um, And I think as parents, sometimes we forget that they don't know what we know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by that I mean for example you know with direct deposit and things like that right now students never see bill never see bills getting paid right everything just Mm -hmm. stays on Mm -hmm. right so having those kind of conversations about money about you know um, how to balance a checkbook that's addition and subtraction when they're planning a, a, a family trip if possible even the six flag okay how much do we need how long is it going to take us to get there yeah have, encouraging them to write in journals um, reading for for pleasure is important I mm-hmm. think um, a lot of students don't like to read mm-hmm. because they haven't had those those positive experiences surrounding reading so making it a joy where they kind of uh, equate reading with posit- positive positive um, occurrences, family time, warm and fuzzy. That encourages kids to read. Something else, too, um, if your child is struggling in reading, say a child's struggling in reading, yeah. um, a great thing would be to have your child volunteer at a nursery school to read to a younger grade, mm. a young someone in a yeah. younger grade, yeah. a younger age at church, read to a younger a younger child or younger siblings. Yeah. Because what happens is when you build the confidence in the reading and also the fluency because they're doing a lot of reading and you're helping out that younger child as well yeah. to build those positive things. So there's a lot of things. I mean, there's there's learning in everything that we do just being creative um there's also there are a lot of free enrichment programs out there mm-hmm. um you know your boys and girls club your local community colleges have opportunities for students as well but re- reaching out to those kinds of things to kind of really extend the learning and, and make learning fun yeah because the more that they enjoy learning the more they're going to want to do it if that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah you're right but even like like you know when you're cooking chemistry you know, if you're if a recipe, it has halves and thirds and things like that. But, you right. you know, you increase it, have them increase it and make, you know, the meal for the family. Oh, OK, well, you messed up. That's because the, the chemical combination, right. things like that. That's real world where there's a real um, where, where it's high stakes. No pun. If yeah. they mess up, you know, right. What I mean? right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when uh, I was a teenager and my stepmother was making some cake and she was telling me to put the flour in the cake and she said, put, put leveled it off at the top of the cup. And I guess she just wasn't paying attention and she was probably distracted by the fact that I was helping her. <laughs> and so when the cake came out, it was the thickest <laughs> cake but it was because i wasn't putting it up to the the one cup line i was doing it at the top and then leveling it up at the top so those oh. are that's a good lesson 
that you can learn from about um you know measurement and right. <laughs> things like that because that cake was not okay right <laughs> but right. even if you have a pizza right. and you say okay there's four of us there's four how many slices does every like those are just real world things yeah. just having those conversations and engaging in those conversations mm-hmm. yeah and i just with my son the other day uh we buy all of their lunch stuff uh like we'll go to sam's club and buy a big old pack of something or other well my son was eating through the Oreo cookies like they're going out of style. And so um, I took and I divided them up uh, for my two younger ones and then for him. And so my two older kids, they had like nine packs of cookies left each. He had one left. And I said, I'm not going to the store again until we go through at a regular pace. So, you know, for him just, just to see that, hey, you know, what you do, it, it you know, you can't just eat unlimited. Because we have three three kids in the house, not just one, you know. Uh, but it's like what you're saying. It's just encouraging parents just to actively think through their lives and to bring their children into it, mm-hmm. um, you know, in an appropriate way, you know. Um, but to help them, just to engage them and help them to really think about what's happening in real life and how what they learn in school actually does apply and encourage them. That way. That's, in a sense, mm-hmm. what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, like I said, the the whole idea of um, a lot of it has to do with confidence too. Mm-hmm. You know, students get a lot of anxiety when it comes to test time. Adults get anxiety when it comes to test time. So um, ensuring that um, that they have the opportunities to be successful, mm-hmm. and that you see them being successful in whatever they're struggling in, and give them that confidence to kind of push forward and say, "Okay, I was successful here. I can keep going." That kind of thing. And also the growth mindset. Have you heard of the growth mm-hmm. mindset? Oh, the yes. growth mindset. Okay, that's huge. Carol um, the yes. whole yes, very much so. Dr. Um, the idea that, uh, and I know especially in girls, we try to be perfect, mm-hmm. and in our quest to be perfect, we don't try. Because if we try, mm. we might fail. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to extend myself beyond what I really could because I want I don't want to um, appear that I'm not perfect, right? right. So if you say a, a child gets 100 on a test, instead of saying um, you're so smart, I like I like your effort, yes. right? Because a child internalizes yeah. it. When I get that 70, I'm not smart mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so so things like that. But if you have um, if there, if there's a younger sibling or opportunities, because the whole idea, if a child can teach it, then they know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you give them real opportunities to, to show what they know and um, and teach it to younger, you know, younger siblings, younger children, then you can kind of give you an idea of what they what they're able to do. Yeah. Right. So the start test is coming up. What date is it? April 9th, I think. April 9th. Yeah. Okay. So what are some things that I as a parent can do to prepare my child as far as, you know, reducing stress and just different things that we can do in the next I guess, week and a half, I guess. So definitely the day of having a good breakfast, not too much because mm-hmm. you don't want them falling asleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, sleeping. Um, that's important as well. Um, doing mindful activities if you there uh mindfulness if you um you google mindfulness i ways to kind of if they feel anxiety kind of how to de-stress how to mo- self-monitor during the test mm-hmm. going over things with them um in that nature working with the teacher to kind of say hey what are you doing in the classroom that i can support you at home in the next couple of weeks um having those conversations about about star um and about self-worth right i think a lot of the whole idea with the anxiety is if i if i don't do well that means that i'm not enough right and and reassuring them right 
that's very important as well. And so what are some of the, you know, uh, you've got Noggin Educational Coaching, so you spend a lot of time, you and your coaches spend a lot of time preparing students for test taking. So what are some tips um, and things that they can do to prepare to to take the test well? All right. Well. And you only have three three minutes. Three minutes to do it all. (laughs) Everything you need to be successful on the test. Um, this, okay, let me just, I'm just going to pull up my experiences in the okay. classroom. So one is read, read the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of kids struggle because they don't know what the question is That's asking. Right. And so they're answering questions that the question is not asking. Um, or if it's writing, read the prompt. So I taught fourth grade for a few years. And, writing. you know, uh, kids would write wonderful essays that were off topic. And I say, this is great, but what was the prompt asking you to write about? And I say, does this match what it's asking you? And they're like, oh, no. I said, but it, it's wonderful. It's just off topic, you know. So read the question. Um, uh, textual evidence, if you're, if you're reading um, if it's a reading passage, go back and be able to defend your answers, to be able to justify your answers as well. Um, in mathematics, do the math. A lot of kids, they know they do, well, I just did it in my head. Okay, great, but I can't see what's in your head. I need to see what you did. Show me the work and, and be able to prove it. And a lot of times, you know, they can almost foolproof it if, they, if, you're, if you're a kid will say Mr. Bailey my answer didn't match any of the answer choices so that probably means that it's not right <laughs> you know um, <laughs> so to like but I did it right no you didn't do it right you, no, you go, didn't go back and go back and do it again uh, how so, should we handle multiple choice questions mm, uh, one is to eliminate answers that are clearly wrong mm-hmm. uh, there's always one uh, one approach as well um, and then here's what I say. Um, so if you're getting short on time or if a child's just stumped, let's just say a child's just completely stumped and they truly legitimately do not know the answer, but they've been able to clearly eliminate what's wrong, choose. And, you know, because the reality is, is that, okay, staring at it longer is not going to make the answer come to you. So... Pick it and move on because there may be other problems that you could get to. So what I always encourage kids to do is to, if you see a problem that you know is going to either be a little more time consuming or one uh, that you just don't know how to do, don't waste your time on that problem for now. Get to the problems that you know how to do because that's what's going to raise your overall score is when you get all the answers right that you know what to do first then you come back around to the other ones that they don't, but then the challenge is, well, what do they forget? Well, that's that's hopefully the teachers are showing kids how to, how to come back around and double check. But it, uh, the illustration I give, I know we're getting a little short on time, is that it's like money. Let's say there was money in the in the in the classroom in in this room. There's twenty dollar bills all over the place, and there's money going outside the door to the studio, going down to the elevator, and out to the street. Where would you start grabbing money first? The closest to me. The ones closest to you. You wouldn't go all the way down to the street and bypass all the other money that's laying right in front of you. You would go attack what get the money that's already here. That that's that's easy money. Or we call low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. 
So what I always tell my students is to go for the whole, the low-hanging fruit. So encourage your children to do what they know how to do first, and then with the time remaining, come back to the ones that they don't know how to do, or the ones that are going to be a little more time-consuming, because that's what's going to bring up the overall score. Because if you're spending more time on a problem you can't do, that means the problem you could do, you're going to spend less time on. If you spend less time on it, you might make a careless mistake um, or run out of time. And you could have legitimately gotten that one right. And staring at, staring at a question that's not going to make it come to you. Or that kid, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to solve this problem. And you're wasting 10 minutes on one problem. That's just, that's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time. One of the things, too, um, one year I had a student and we took a, a mock benchmark. And she did all of the questions in the book and didn't transfer them over. <gasps> and so that's something, too, to be mindful Fundamental, of. Fundamental, right. They, oh. Right. And she would have gotten 100 on the oh. test. Oh. And so just making sure that that happens. Yeah. Right. They Put bubble. the answers right. And, and, on a document. And, and one more that, oh, mm -hmm. go ahead. I didn't just bubble it in properly. Mm -hmm. Whole, the whole circle. I think it's all <laughs> make little elliptical oh, shapes Mark. and stuff. And like, no, just in the circle. And yeah. one, the last one that I would say is if you're doing a reading comprehension question, look at the questions first before you read the passage Definitely. so you can know what you're going to be looking for and yeah. maybe yeah. answer the question correctly. Yeah, because I tell them, if you want to do leisurely reading, do that on your own time. You're trying to, the goal <laughs> is to get the answers right. <laughs> you know, because it's going to, that happens on SAT as well, you know, so, uh, or in ACT. So, yes, there's so much more. We have to hope do another whole, whole other episode on that I one. No, Well, we are out of time. It goes quick. I told you it was going to go quick. Flies by. <laughs> time flies. We're having fun. Yes. Thank you, Tamara, so much for sharing that Thank with you. us. Um, and as always, we want to let you know what's going on with Noggin. David, what's going on with Noggin Educational Coaching? Well, um, I think it is appropriate that this is the tis is the season for testing. Um, and so if you need help with any type of test prep, uh, test taking strategies on how to be a smart test taker, um, how to work through the challenges of in, you know anxiety and kind of where you're at. Uh, contact us and we can work with you on uh, individual coaching, small group coaching um, to help you um, and your child to be better prepared for star testing state exams, uh, but also college entrance exams as well. Um, this is this is the time of year, so reach out to us and we can definitely work with you. And how do we do that? You do that. That's a good question, babe. <laughs> Not just reach out to me. Smoke signal. That's how you do it. Um, so you can uh, email me at uh, david at noggineducation.com uh, or info at nogginneducation.com or you can also reach us uh, through the number 682 422 Five, five. Okay, great. And with Noggin Educational Foundation, we are gearing up for SPARK, and that's our summer program. It stands for Summers Producing Academically Ready Kids. It's our math and reading program, and we do a lot of hands-on fun activities, and those hands-on fun activities require a lot to put together. So mm -hmm. uh, we are putting, we're doing some assembly activities. We need people to come and cut and paste and organize our activities. So we're actually doing one this Saturday if you guys wanted to stop by the office, and um, we will definitely put you to work and if you're interested in that you can go to noggin and noggin is spelled like your head n-o-g-g-i-n foundation.org um, and you can also find us on our school dazed website that's schooldazedshow.com so david what's happening next week so next week uh, we're going to welcome licen licensed professional counselor julia seals 
who will share with us about dealing with anxiety and depression and how it affects students. All right. Well, thank you. Um, we look forward to that. That's going to be a great show. And as always, head to our website, schooldayshow.com, for more information. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. If you're working while we are broadcasting live, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher, and you can find our podcast and, and any missed shows that you've already missed. And you're going to want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We share a lot of really good information, uh, parenting tips, and information for how to help your kids with school and on holidays I'm always sharing trivia about the holiday and uh, as of course information about school day show so you can find us on social media at Noggin Foundation and we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace we depend on God to give us the wisdom and the strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults and if you'd like to know more about that feel free to email us at info at schooldazedshow.com have a great week. And thank you again so much for coming. And we're so glad you came to share your insights with us. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Dazed is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin. N-O-G-G-I-N foundation.org.